Hi guys, this episode is sponsored by Montezuma. If you happen to play a high-tech or steampunk campaign setting, or just love playing gunslingers, then this D6 is made for you. This fully metal magnum revolver bullet cylinder is the most awesome way to roll your damage and get that killing blow. So if you'd like to get your own, there's a link to the Kickstarter in the description. Hope you enjoy the video, guys. here, the Father and Son Podcast. Today, we're bringing you another episode of D&D Diaries Road to Streaming. Last week, we discussed building your first settlement. This week, we are talking about our first session in our homebrew world that we wrote together. And um, We're talking about how we screwed it up. Yes, of course we are. <laughs> of course, of course we, we always do. Uh, it's, it's the motif. Um, so actually, um, we, we dove in uh, to session one with not really a proper session zero under our belt, which is one of the biggest mistakes that you can make. But again, uh, I didn't What's really... What's the definition of a, of a session zero? So a session zero is pretty much a, a either... It can be multiple things. It can be, you know, like your first kind of walkthrough of characters to see how the table kind of finds each other. Um, it's definitely a conversation where you talk about what everyone is okay with in the game you know okay. like consent stuff like what like you know whether you know con adult content oh, right, you know right, right, all right. that kind of stuff so like ground rules yeah exactly any any triggers that you know the dm can avoid for people you know that gotcha. kind of stuff yeah ground rules uh, making sure everyone's comfortable with uh, the topics happening the themes happening in the plot uh, comfortable with like you know whatever might happen in the story if there's you know slavery or you yeah, know yeah. racism between the elves and the dwarves you know yeah, that yeah. kind of thing you know make sure everyone Everyone's okay with all of that, and uh, we didn't do that. So good, good on us for missing that boat. Um, <laughs> basically, I just hadn't learned about session zeros at this point in our in our time doing it, so I hadn't really uh, put that into practice. However, um, after this first session, I actually did learn about, it, and we did do a session zero before the second session yeah. of um, this homebrew campaign. But. Um, there's a lot of pros and cons of this first session. Now, we talked last time that we had over-prepared. We'd made the island that this first session was on extremely detailed. We've gone to masses, amounts of depth. Um, but basically, in, in the end, the map ended up being really awesome that we'd made. Uh, the, the players did really enjoy the detail that was on there and thought it was really, really cool and really visually awesome to look at. And um, it was actually a really nice way to get everyone kind of excited about the place that we were in because Lacrima as a whole, the island that they're on, really didn't have much of an impact on the story or place within our plot. But um, having this funky map really got everyone involved and really, really into it. Um, I think also everyone created really great characters. Now, something I want to talk about is backstories in a second, but I'll come back to that. Um, but we talked about, uh, we, we had some awesome characters. We've got a halfling rogue gunslinger. Um, we've got you as a, a dwarven paladin. Uh, we've got a tiefling fighter, psionic fighter. Um, we have uh, two, two new people who joined later who are, who's, both of them are elves. One's a druid and one's a bard. And um, finally, we have a ha like human uh, dragon bloodline sorcerer who also has like a, a homebrewed hulking ability that me and, uh, me and him have worked on. Um, but 
These characters were really great. Instantly when you guys came together, the gel and the mesh of your guys' personalities and characters that you had created worked really well. You all were like vibing really great. Everyone kind of found their place in what they were doing and it worked really, really good. Um, however, backstory, what happened with that was, again, me being a very inexperienced DM, I didn't realize how important it is for me to be working with my players creating backstory and allowing the player's backstory to actually fuel my plot line that I write um, afterwards. It's almost like I went and came up with plot before we then came up with, with characters and it definitely needs to be the other way around, I, I now feel, is that uh, it's important to have the world and some of the lore so that your players can, you know, maybe choose a location that they want to be from or something like that. But then allowing them to build some stuff, you know, say, you know, I'm from the City Watch. Amazing. Now I know that there's a City Watch from, you know, uh, Brynlaw because, you know, Tracy's yeah. from the and so on and so forth. And I didn't allow you guys to populate the world with information and plot for me by creating really in-depth backstory. So what actually ended up happening, uh, straight up, one of our players wrote an incredible backstory that actually was exactly what we needed, the exact opposite of what I've said. And since then, I've been able to utilize their backstory uh, to pull on heartstrings, to uh, actually throw a plot twist and inform them that someone they thought was a hero was actually a bit of a scumbag and stuff like that. And utilizing our, our assassin, uh, our, our, sorry, our rogue gunslingers, backstory has been amazing, but that's because she went into mounds of detail. She really spent hours and hours writing it. Two of our other players barely wrote a thing. And um, because Tom was helping me with Homie and the Dude and stuff at the time, I actually helped you write yours and yeah. we worked on yours together. Yours and this, the, and our rogue assassin, our rogue, sorry, gunslinger, um, they, they, they clearly come with the strongest backstories. And because of that have had the most interlaced plot points up until this this point. And I think... That's the point, isn't it? Yeah, that's the whole point is, yeah, it, it allows DMs to really utilize that backstory to fuel the plot that they're using. Like, you know, now we've got, you know, like I said, uh, you know, our, our, ro our rogue has got, you know, this, this person who she thought was a hero is no longer here. You know, our tiefling, I've mentioned her father who she was looking for is now, you know, she's, she's come across, she's almost like, missed him by like a couple of days, do you know what I mean? And we have some information about that yeah. because that was part of her, the small amount of backstory that she did write for our tiefling fire. And so I think backstory is a big regret of mine. I, I wish we had done a session zero and I wish we had all sat down and spent time at yeah. a table coming up with backstory and ideas together so that we had more of a cohesive uh, kind of idea throughout the whole group and, and it meant that everyone would have created the, the same level as well. We wouldn't have had two people who barely wrote anything and then two people who wrote loads. It, you know, it then became very unbalanced. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And I think one of the things that we weren't able to do, it, it seemed like we all came together to one place with our own backstories. But I think if you can be, you know, sort of collaborative in thinking about your backstories, there can be some additional connections potentially, right? Mm -hmm. That you can draw on. It doesn't always have to happen, but we didn't have that option at all yeah. to, to have any kind of, you know, crossings that we had had in the past or anything that um, family, you know, knowledge of each other or, mm -hmm. or any of that, which I think deepens the experience so that, sure, it's cool, like, for strangers to come together and to get to know each other. And that is, that's another point as well. Like, we did come together and we had you know, some time we were all sort of ended up in a pub and got to meet each other. Um, so there's, a, there's definitely a place for that, 
but I do think there is some additional depth. I guess here, here's the point. Anytime you can make a choice as a DM, and for players as well, the choice is to go deeper into a more enriched experience, for me at least, to go to, you know, take more of a risk, to not, to not just go for the standard um, run-of-the-mill choice. Yeah. yeah. And I think, so in, in terms of if we're, if we're tracking a tally at the moment, uh, we've got one pro of a really good map and two cons of no session zero <laughs> and n barely any backstory written for our characters. So, But with that said. With that said, we went into session one and it was really fun, but uh, something else I want to mention, another con that went down was my role play because what had happened is we had about a month between our last session of The Lost Minds of Fandelver and this first session of our homebrew. And during that month, um, you know, it's the same as anything. If you don't use a muscle for long enough, you know, um, you can pull it, you can hurt it when you then go to use it. Do you know what I mean? And so when I went to step back into my DM shoes, uh, they weren't as comfortable as I remember them being. And so uh, when it came to the role play, um, I wasn't as, I, I definitely wasn't as strong in this first session. Um, and what happened because of my nervousness of having to get back into roleplay and then not doing as well as I was hoping to do, what I ended up doing was leading you guys on a bit of a journey. I ended up falling back into the old railroading trope, uh, and, and we talked about that in, a, in an earlier episode, but what I did uh, was... So wait, what you're saying is we built out this beautiful city. It's a beautiful island. No, sorry, this beautiful island that had all these cool little areas, these little bridges and little houses and other little places, and we couldn't explore it? You could explore it, but what ended up happening was I, I just, I, I tried to like move you guys through it and, yeah. and get, what, I, what I did was I gave the group information and, but the information was so strong and so clear and so yeah. like, uh, so unshrouded in mystery that it was like, cool, well, we know exactly where we need to go. So there's literally no point in us exploring other things and talking it to people. It was a dot to dot, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. And I think... That was another big con. So in terms of the first session, if we look at it as a whole, there was a lot of cons and one amazing pro of the incredible map that we had. Um, and then finally, we ended the session with another awesome pro, which was that I had planned a puzzle for the team to get into. Basically, the plot that I, I, I had conceived for them is that this island that they had all come to for various different reasons uh, was dealing with uh, some Juragar and some deep gnomes living in the, in the, in the island below. Um, and they were basically destroying the roots of the sacred tree um, that was on the top of the island, thus making uh, like land not grow as well, like farmland not grow as well, crops not be as fertile, um, so on and so forth. So the players had to go and basically find out what was below the island and stop whatever was causing the sacred tree to die. And um, to get into this, I, I made it so that there was a puzzle to break through this door, and that's why no one had solved this problem for this island for so long. That was cool. And actually, the puzzle was really awesome. Was. Uh, we, we wrote, say, open in Infernal in, like a, in a dwarven script that, someone could, in, that you could understand, and then it meant that... The tiefling who speaks Infernal could then say the, the, the bit of Infernal. So it meant that it ended up being this like collaborative uh, puzzle. However, of course, our, our, our rogue gunslinger um, solved it very quickly because she's a little bit of a puzzle whiz. And was she's naturally it. a puzzle whiz. So, yeah. yeah, and went on it straight away and got it. But nonetheless, but the, puzzles. I was going to say, the group really enjoyed the puzzle and everyone... Uh, contributed and had parts to play in the puzzle you know it was that multi-stage and I really wanted to make that puzzle multi-layered in of that you know one step was Tom 
realizing that the language was Dwarvis, working out what it said in Dwarvis using an alphabet that he had and the runes that were on the door, and then uh, finding out that you needed to say something in Infernal and knowing that there's only one other person in the group that could do so, meant that it then became a very collaborative process of cool. the rogue finding out, you deducting what it said, and then the tiefling uh, saying the actual passcode to get to in open. through the door. Yeah. And so, Overall, like I guess what we're saying with, with doing our first session is we learned a lot from it and I learned mounds as a DM um, because we did continue to make a lot of mistakes and we did continue uh, to, to, uh, to mess things up and, and <laughs> stumble over things and lead players this way and that. But I'll tell you what, at the end of all of it, we all did have a really, really great time. Uh, we all did have a lot of fun. So is that the big takeaway? Like you. As much as we're learning along the way, and there are things to do and things not to do, recommendations and best practice and all this other stuff, if the team, if the group is really sort of creative and collaborative and enjoying the process along the way, you're still going to get a good payout at the end of it. You're still going to get a good session at the end of it, usually. Yeah, I, I fully agree. And I think... Um you know, something that we've definitely realized is sessions in person uh, are so much more valuable than sessions over the internet. Don't get me wrong, sessions over the internet are great, um, but there's something about just being in the room with each other, being able to have that vibe. And it helped us massively and it is continued to help us. And I think, um, yeah, it, it, even though it was fun, it, there was a big learning experience. I hope you guys have, you know, heard some of what we talked about, you know, some of the mistakes that we made, you know, in terms of, you know, not doing a session zero, not allowing the players' backstories to influence a lot more of the plot and, and building of the situation that they're in. And furthermore, uh, being very, very uh, bad at role-playing, <laughs> leading your players on a dot-to-dot, -dot. make it more shrouded in mystery, add some more twists and turns. You know, NPCs can be wrong, you know, it's okay for... I say humans, uh, re any race in D&D, to make a mistake. Like, at the end of the day, they're all just creatures that are sentient. So as an NPC, as a DM, you can make a mistake. You can send them to somewhere that isn't the right place because you thought as that NPC that it might be the right place. Like, I think out of all of this, we hope that you guys can come away looking at it and going, wow, when I run my first session, I'm going to make sure I do a session zero. I'm going to really yeah. look into the backstory with my players and really make sure that we have a, a collaborative process of making those backstories um, together so that it can really influence your plot as you're writing it and use with your players as you're going as well. Go for it. Another, another advantage of a backstory is you can start already collaborating as a team on like, okay, so you've got these spells, I've got these strengths, like, you know, and, and you can start building out almost like how your team dynamic will be able to function once it starts the campaign as well. Especially if you're like, if two characters know each other, you know, you could have like a halfling and a human that know each other and they could have a fighting style together that they do that is very unique. But then maybe the halfling begins to adopt the same fighting style with all other members of the group because they are larger. Maybe it's like a jump off the shoulder kind of leap kind yeah. of thing that the halfling is doing or something. And, you know, they begin to do it with other people. They become mm. comfortable with the rest of the group. <laughs> yeah. uh, do you know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff. And I think, yeah, I think session one was a big, big curveball for us in that <laughs> we expected it to go one way and came away from it. I know I felt very disappointed in myself and like I hadn't done justice for you guys. You all came away enjoying it, but uh, I think we all agreed when we did speak about it that we, um, 
that we felt that my role play was definitely lacking and that some of the like uh, some of the dot to dot like moving through the the island the, the fact that i fed you information so openly and so like uh, almost like blatantly uh, was was a bit of a bummer but other than that everyone seemed to really enjoy it everyone said they had a great time we all laughed and had fun there were some great moments and i think at, at, at the end of the day i was down on myself as a dm and i look back on it and i go Irregardless of whether I was making mistakes or not, and I still make mistakes as a DM now, but as long as your players are having fun, as long as you are having fun, yeah. as long as everyone is, you know, in, involved, you know, in the moment and and enjoying it, then it's okay to make those mistakes. You can rectify them. You can think about them. You can reflect on how you did. If you want to record your sessions and look back on them um, and, and and see yourself perform, uh, you can do that as well. Um, but yeah, don't feel bad about making mistakes. I don't feel bad about making mistakes. Uh, after the, In reflection, I feel bad in the moment, but I definitely don't feel bad in reflection because I know that I'm going to learn from them and I'm going to be a better dungeon master. And, uh, and my players will be better players because of me learning and continuously evolving my style. Are we going to have, is the next one going to be about other things that we screwed up? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, so next week, we're actually going to talk about uh, session two, uh, which is like a continuation of session one. We ended session two on this first island. Loved session and then, two. Uh, session two was great, great fun. Uh, it was a much better session. We look forward to telling you a bit about that. And then, uh, and then we go on to the main plot. So we look forward to chatting to you next week about session two. Um, Otherwise, guys, it's been Homie and the Dude, the Father and Son podcast. Thank you so much for watching D&D Diaries, uh, our first session in our homebrew world that we're writing. Um, yeah, it's been a pleasure chatting to you guys. See you next time. See ya. We're chugging through. We're loving doing this stuff, you guys. Um, if you want to support us, if you want to make sure that we can keep getting, you know, better quality set, better quality lights, make the filming better. Bigger, um, bigger batteries for the camera. Bigger batteries for the camera. <laughs> yes! You know, all that kind of stuff. Um, you can do that by just liking, following the page, and subscribing to the YouTube channel. That is what really makes a difference to us.